The ugly truth will always be free, so it's clear the Uggs aren't in it for the money. But if you're a fan, we'd appreciate any support you can give. Visit UglyTruth.com and check out the Support the Truth column on the right. You can donate, download our mobile app, or shop the Ugly Mall. All proceeds go right back into the show. As always, thank you, and now, on with the Ugly Truth. Are you ready for another mind-altering dose of the sisters who will say just about anything? Jamie. Um, like, Nick, can you do our bachelorette party and you're on the menu? And Paula. I would just throw my clothes in a fire and sit naked on my bed. Welcome to another unfiltered episode of The Ugly Truth. Welcome to The Ugly Truth, everybody. We're doing a quick intro because we are so excited to tell you that we got our very first interview with a celebrity chef. Hopefully not the last. I mean, we could interview everybody if this goes well, right? We could interview the world. We could take over the world. We are pleased to tell you that Master Chef Nick Nappy from this season's Master Chef on Fox sat down in his the comfort of his own home and Skyped called us in, and we did an amazing interview with him. I think you guys will love it. So without further ado, our interview with Chef Nick Nappy. Nick Nappy! Hey, hey! Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. This is Jamie, by the way. Um, and my sister Paul is here. What's up? Hi, Hello, Paul. how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good to be talking to you. Yeah, finally, I've been looking forward to this. You have? Oh, oh we're excited. That's so exciting. You guys are hilarious. Oh, have you heard our show? <laughs> yeah, so after the, you know, obviously I, I listened to the one about me because I have to listen to everything about myself. Absolutely. And uh, you guys are just fucking hilarious. Aww. I stream, I stream you guys in the kitchen for some of my guys. That is so Yay. funny. All right, well, let's get started. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so this is Chef Nappy. Paula, say hello to Chef Nappy. Nappy. <laughs> hello, Mr. Uh, Chef Nappy. We have to call you Chef. Do now. you go by? Yeah. Do you go by Chef Nappy or do you go by Nick? Or I was actually, I'm actually in between either changing my first name to Chef or Duke. Duke. Yeah, my dad and I, we have like this, we have this running joke, like how do we become like a lord or a duke? Oh, oh. I don't know. Can you pay, can you buy it? You can actually, if you go over to um, the United Kingdom. Well, we'll probably just call you Nick unless it's disrespectful. We can still call you chef. Please call me Nick. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so I had the privilege of meeting Nick and his beloved Janelle and their awesome dogs, Parker and... Parker and uh, uh, Ernie? Ernie, big Ernie. Ernie, yeah, Parker and Ernie um, in July. And so I obviously heard a lot of great stories and details about their life and how exciting everything has been. And it's been kind of a whirlwind, yes? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Like, it went from, you know, like, school zone 25 miles an hour to like the Audubon. It's been crazy. I personally am very pleased to know that you are a Northern California guy. Oh yeah. I love, you can always tell by the way, like when I moved to Sacramento as a kid, it felt like a foreign land. And then I'd run into someone from the Bay Area and it was like, you speak my language. I know who you are. And that's how it felt when I met you and Janelle in July. It was like meeting family. There's something about Northern California people. So it, it couldn't have been super easy to leave. No, you know, and my family's there, my mom and my sister, who I'm extremely close with. And then, 
-hmm. I've got a really, really tight knit group of buddies. Uh, you know, it's funny. I meet new people all the time, especially with the show. And I'm not a huge new friend guy. Yeah. All my, all my boys, we've known each other for over 20 years. You know, when, we, when you, mm -hmm. when you see us, it's like, you know, we're all kind of one, we all look different, but we sound the same and we have the same, you know, interests, whether it's beer chicks and, you know, beer, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. It's funny being in San Diego. It's so different. Everybody's a transplant. No one's really from here. You know, there's no roots. And I, that's what I miss about the Bay area. And it's, I don't know. It, it was sad. I went back to the Bay area, uh, couple weeks ago and, and you know the past year that i've been in san diego i really miss home and Aww. i got there and i landed and i was like oh my god it's a cool breeze uh, you know i missed the dog yeah. and i went to san francisco and i was like what happened to the city you know it, mm. it's changed a lot oh yeah you know i feel like it's just uh tech right i went to the mission to look for a good taco and like there was no such thing anymore you know it was just <laughs> it was sad so I yeah. have that in my roots. The Bay Area is in my roots, and I'm trying to bring that down to San Diego. I'm trying to show people how to be, you know, real. Yes. Speaking of, um, you are very, uh, very open about your relationship with your heritage, yeah. with your Italian. Well, your your father's the Italian, right? And you have some amazing stories about him. I I almost feel like I know him after some of the stories you've talked about, like when he met Janelle. Uh, he sounds like a guy from Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, my dad's uh, my dad's old school. He's old school New York. Uh, Love it. And he, you know, he loves a lot of things, and good-looking women are one of them. Well, Janelle is, I'm certainly uh, beautiful. Yeah, I, I I find most Italian men like good-looking women. Yeah. They like good-looking wool, whether it's one or more. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's got a few ex-wives, and you look at all of them; they're all <laughs> right. they're all beautiful, my mother included. And then you know, my dad's. Uh, current wife girlfriend they you know they've they've decided to not do the marriage route they've been together for like a, you know 100 years now but her name is debbie she's about five foot one packed with just absolute beauty it's, it's just hilarious oh, like, wow. all the women in my life are gorgeous well and you're a lucky boy <laughs> sometimes you know when i growing up i had to take care of my gorgeous sister and i used to think man i'm not gonna last long on the streets i'm gonna end up in jail or something she keeps getting prettier and prettier and these boys will not stop calling that is so funny. Now, is she spicy like you and Janelle? My sister's more like my mom. She's really bohemian. She's like into, you know, she's a pescatarian because not because she doesn't like meat, but she doesn't like the way that you're the cruelty to animals. She just, you know, and I was up there. She's got, I got a surprise for you. Or what? We go in her backyard and she's got six freaking chickens. Oh. oh. Yeah. And they're running around like they're and all their names. Oh, they're free. They're all named after the Golden Girls. Oh my god! Yeah, I love the Golden Girls. I thought there was only three Golden Girls. I think there's four. Oh, 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 the old one. Yeah, and then they just found out that there's a rooster. I don't know. I didn't know that they're like reptiles. You don't know until they get older. Oh yeah, we were. You know what? We were just talking about how chickens are like dinosaurs. Yes, and they're, they're really freaking weird looking. Ooh, well, interesting. Well, you know that's so funny. Um, I've heard you talk about how you were, uh, you stepped up, you took care of your sister when your mom had to work, yeah. and that's where you started uh, preparing dishes that were maybe a bit creative or not so creative, actually. And your sister was probably your first judge. Yes. Yeah, she was. She was. She was. Uh, she was not an easy judge either. Uh, <laughs> you know, she, she. My sister plays the greatest little sister in the world. She's Aww. like they wrote movies about her. Uh, you know, I'm going with you to this party. I'm behind you. I'm snitching on you. The whole thing. But we got really. You know, my mom um, was put into a situation where she had to go back to work. She was taking care of me and my sister. We were really young, and I needed to help out. I had to. Yeah. No other choice. You know. So 
yeah, I started cooking for Gina and it's hilarious. It started off with like sandwiches. I mean, I was 11. Sure. Sandwiches and like, you know, throw something in the microwave, like a hot pocket. And she just kind of told me, she was like, yo, dude, I, I can't eat another fucking sandwich. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and uh, I just, you know, I started messing with things. I burned a lot of crap. I put things okay. together that shouldn't have went together and eventually reached out to my grandmother on my dad's side and my mom. And they started giving me recipes. Oh, that's and awesome. Things to, you know, things to just toy around with. My mom would come home from work and she'd, oh my God, she would fight through some of the crap that I'd make. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd tell me, she'd say, listen, this is, you know, this isn't, this isn't how you do it. This is how you fix it. And then not to mention the women on my, uh, on my dad's side are really ridiculous Italian chefs. Like my, my aunt, Debbie, my dad's girlfriend. Now, I mean, I go out there and I, I have to lose seven pounds before I go because I'm gaining it in meatballs and gravy. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. It's like, uh, we're going to New York time to count weight. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like an Olympian. I'm like, <laughs> I'm an Olympia, I'm an Olympic eater. Oh man. See, I can't wait when I have to go to the doctor. I don't, I don't, I don't even think about that. I was going to remind Paula about the time she made burnt sugar cake as a, as an 11 year old. And it was so bad. Our dog wouldn't even eat it. So uh, the dog buried it. And in fact, my mom, she drove me over to our dad's house, who was her ex-husband at the time that she, you know, well, basically hated. And he, she says, you have to try the cake that your daughter made. And so he was polite enough to eat a slice, but it was so bad. We buried it in the yard. So by reaching out back to your story, by reaching out to your different relatives and in, in, in getting recipes to become better, do you think that was like your initial entrance into being interested in cooking or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once I started to get the hang of it and made food that was not only edible, but tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something that happened and I, I, I love Anthony Boudin. Oh, we do too. I just love him because he's a lot like me. He just says it, how is it, how it is. You know, he really like my favorite saying is don't touch another. Sh you wouldn't about chef's knives, right? He goes, you wouldn't oh. touch another chef's dick. So don't touch his knife. <laughs> you know what? I don't know what you, I, I did not see the knives. I was lucky enough to go see their gorgeous loft in downtown San Diego when we were in July. Do you have global knives at home? Do I have knives? Yeah. Glo the, the global, the ones that Anthony Bourdain insists upon? I will one day. Okay. I, I bought one. They're not that bad. The, the one we had, honestly, we paid $80 for it on Amazon. Oh, it's not bad at all. Best knife we have ever owned in our life. Yeah. It's and in fact, I've cut myself many times. I was just gonna say, I'd be too afraid to own a, that professional of a knife. I'd probably slice my fingers off. Do you find that your knives are an extension of your hand now? They are. They are. It's it's weird for me to do things without it. It's weird to grab another knife and try to use it. It's never. It's never the same. Like you have your weight preference. You've got, you know, your length. That's what she said. It's just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's, it's you got to be comfortable with it. But going back to what you were asking me with the cooking. What, what I meant to say with Anthony Bourdain, not just the dick thing, but um, <laughs> something else that he says, you, it's, it's a certain breed of people that when you feed somebody and you see a smile, you get a high from it. And uh, oh. that's what started happening with my sister. She was my first critic. Like you said, she was my first judge. And when I finally started making food that tastes good and she would smile and say, oh, my God, this is delicious, I, I wanted more. I wanted to watch oh. other people taste my food. It became like an addiction. Like my buddies would come over and I'd be like, I got it. I'm barbecuing. Or we'd have, you know, we'd be at parties and I'm jumping on it. Or, 
you know, even in college, you know, you, you go to a party to drink and I'm bringing food. Yeah. <laughs> You're the food guy. They're like, no, no, Nick's got the food. Yeah. Like, where do I put the deviled eggs? <laughs> where do I put my casserole? Oh, next, next to Nick's buffet of amazing food. Go ahead. In between the keg and the donkey. Right? <laughs> Just don't land when you fall. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was actually going to ask you, I had, um, I've been doing a lot of research on this whole phenomenon of food. It's become this like thing. I thought um, you were going to say, I've been doing a lot of research on donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research on ass. Yeah. And no, but, but what's funny, I was reading an interview, um, Alton Brown, who's kind of a surly grumpy dude, yeah. very straightforward. I, I, he's not my favorite, but this interview was really great. He's not doing his his competition show any longer. One of the reasons is he was sick of people who wanted to be chefs that they just love food and that's why they should be a chef. He's like, at minimal, loving food, first of all, it's required for all humans to live. So, of course, we all love food. But it's, it's barely the gas that drives a chef to be a chef. 100%. And so... So your motor, what you're saying is that you love to see people react to your creations. Being a chef is one of the most dangerous things you could do. I mean, we're around, you know, hot oil, hot pans. Uh, it's you're in a unsafe environment, being told to go as fast as possible. Oh, God. Uh, um, you know, I, I I don't walk out of the kitchen to this day. You know, and I know my kitchen at home, and I know my kitchen at work. I don't walk out without some kind of slice burn you know, cramp from overheating, you know, I'm exhausted every day, 12 hours a day. And, yeah. And, you know, to, you know, 99% of the people in the world, that sounds like hell, but, yeah. um, it's a passion. It's something you got to have. And it comes from whatever your motivation is, but you know, my motivation is having people tell my servers or my friends and family that come over to eat in my house when they just won't stop raving about what I made them. That's my passion. That's awesome. See that. See that is more than a love of food because that passion can that can drive anybody for anything like acting or any kind of art. And I personally think that people who create not just you know there's McDonald's people, but then there's people who genuinely see ingredients. Like when we talk about the episode that happened last night, by the way, where they take ingredients and they just create something that you maybe you've never even imagined before. That is what you do. I have eaten at Werewolf. I have eaten your food and was blown away. I'm like, who? This is just brunch. And it was unlike anything I've ever eaten. And I was so pleased that you made it for me. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah, speaking of last night's episode, thanks for the mini heart attack, because uh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, he's losing it. Why is he losing it? I'm like, get it together, Nick. Get it together. Come on, man. I know. It, that was a tough one. You know, it's it's funny. It? Um, my phone was exploding last night like, from everybody <laughs> in the Bay Area. And then, you know, three hours before that, because everybody in the East Coast, my whole family's in New York and in Florida. So they're all calling me and going crazy. Uh, like, oh, my God, is this my dad? This is my dad's text message, word for word. The nappy senses are up. My gut says you're going home. And I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like, hey, jerk, watch the rest of the show. <laughs> right. You have no faith in your son. Yeah, and then there's 20, uh, a 20 minute gap. And then his a follow up text is, you're my fucking hero. Aww. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It was, just, it, was a, it was definitely a nail biter, which I guess people have been thrown off. You know, my social media explodes on Wednesday nights. And right. people, they're like, you know, they're like, dude, you live in San Diego. How do you not know how to cook Mexican food? Well, there's a difference between like Mexican food and the basket that I had. Right. Basket was insane. There was cactus in it. There was this Quixote like 
you know, uh, molded corn stuff, like authentic Mexican food that you would not find here. That's all the stuff that my dad would eat, but I refuse to learn. The, the most Mexican thing, because we're, we're half Mexican, my dad is pure Mexican. And so he demanded Mexican food, of course, before my parents divorced. So I've seen menudo, I've seen the moldy corn, yeah. I've seen the chorizo. We've done it all. And I, the only question I have about that basket, you were not required to use every ingredient, were you? No, but we had we could only use what we had. So when we ran into okay. the pantry, you could only grab equipment. And then okay. we have our staple pantry box, which has, you know, it has like pretty much basic stuff like flour, salt, sugar, eggs, you know, that you really need to make, make a base of something. But right, right. you couldn't use anything outside of the basket, but you had to use your basket kind of thing. Because yeah. if I had to use that cactus, I would have just shook Gordon Ramsay's hand and walked out. I didn't know what the hell was doing with oh. that thing. The one thing about that I, I noticed that I could see that you were it, – it, it appeared that you were struggling. It, it, of course, they make it look like you struggled for an hour, which I don't think that was the case. But I, I saw you pacing. You're hitting your head. You're all, come on, get your shit together, dude. You know, I could see you talking to yourself. And I know there's a lot of editing, so I was, like, really pissed off at Carla for giving you that basket. Because <laughs> I'm like, you can't take someone out. Claudia. Claudia, Claudia yeah. sorry. See, I can't even remember her name. I was so mad. <laughs> and I said, I get that he's a tough competitor and you're trying to, you know, you threw Katrina a bone. Is her name Katarina Katrina. or Katrina? Katrina. Katrina, you threw her a bone with the Italian. But I was with you. Easy baskets are almost harder. Yeah. When you decided, you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. You, your face changed. And all I, I told Daryl, we're sitting, we're watching the show. And I said, he's clutch. He's clutch. He's like the Buster Posey of MasterChef. <laughs> you either crumble yeah. and you serve raw veal or you pull it together when you have to be there and you hit it out of the park. And oh my God, did you hit it out of the park? Thank you. Thank you. I mean, well, first of all, Daryl loves chorizo and uh, mussels. Oh yeah. We've had it many times in Napa. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, we have to try that. And I said, yeah, definitely. It was. It looked delicious. And I'm so, I mean, did, is that what happened? I mean, did you literally just, how did you figure out so quickly? Was it that fast? You were like, that's what I'm going to make. So we had 60 minutes to make that dish. And, and yeah. well, okay, everybody else had 60 minutes to make that dish. I had about 40 because it, it literally took me 20 minutes to figure out what I was doing. Wow. I was watching the clock. I, they didn't show me doing it, but I tried, I don't know, four or five different things before it finally hit me. I burned things. I, I didn't know what the... I didn't know what these damn things were. I knew what mussels were. I knew what shrimp were. And I knew what the pork loin was. After that, I was lost. And then I had actually done something at home uh, for just friends that came over with uh, with fresh pineapple juice that I juiced in my juicer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I steeped it down with some hot peppers. And, you know, it got like this sweet heat syrup. It was, it, was, it was really good. And I just looked at that pineapple and I saw that ancho chili and I was like, all right, that's where I'm starting. And that's the, the clip that they showed me when I was like, all right, I got it. And I ran because I ran into the room to grab the juicer to get that pineapple going. Oh, OK. And then after that started going, I just tasted it. And, you know, I kind of just got in the zone, you know, to save Buster Posey. I mean, the guy's my hero. I'm naming my first kid Buster because of it. <laughs> yeah, you're a big Giants fan. Yeah, huge. So, you know, it was just laser focus. Nobody was getting in my way. And then, you know, I just started thinking about Derek and his, you know, fucking microwave cake shit that ever he was. And right. it just, I was like, there's no way I'm going home and he's not. You know, I'm like, right. he. there was a lot of times when he was my motivation because cool dude, you know, off camera, very cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On camera, extremely cocky. Oh, yeah. I was raised, I was raised to be humble. And I was also raised, you know, in every sport that I played, you know, uh, soccer and football and baseball. 
anybody that was cocky, you crush them first and you do it with a smile and you do it as a gentleman. And you know, that's how I've always been. I mean, you know, they're, they're showing me pretty, pretty well on the show where I, I, I keep to myself when I show up when I need to show up. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not a big talker. You know, I'm not the Muhammad Ali. I'm I'm the Buster Douglas. I'm going to knock your ass out without. <laughs> well, you're definitely showing showing. Now, you know, it's cool. You're right. Um, that was actually one of our questions is that I because I've had the privilege of getting to know you. You know, we only saw and discussed each other. You know, we talked for like, I would say a total of six or seven hours in that weekend that I was able to see you. I saw you at your work and then I saw you casual and we had cocktails. You are absolutely correct that they are not editing you to be anything other than what you genuinely are, which is great. So I know, Paula, you had some questions about drama. Obviously, it's, you know, a reality TV show and it's a competition. And so they probably, I don't want to say embellish, but highlight some of the more uh, exciting moments of the show. And so I was kind of curious how real it is. Like, you know, did Steven and Derek really hate each other? Or, you know, did Katrina really cry that much? Or <laughs> yeah. you know, well, th- those kinds of things. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We, uh, I guess from top 10, even a little bit more than top 10, but from top 10, we all we're kind of sitting in you know, the green room off camera and we're talking and we're saying, in the United States, there's only 60 of us that understand where we're all from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, nobody else can understand. There's only been six seasons of top 10, right? There's 60 of us. Right, well, right, right. And us, 10, formed a very weird bond. We were all very close because we, we were the only ones that knew what we were going through, right? I mean, I could leave and walk down the street and tell people and they're like, yeah, great, I don't understand what you're talking about. Every single person on the show is a unique personality. And they didn't all mix, but that's on camera. That's right, what you right. see on camera. So yeah, the, the tensions were real on camera, but it was kind of like, I don't know, like a football game. You're playing, you know, you got a guy playing against his best friend. He's still going to hit you in the mouth. Yeah. But after the game, <laughs> it was all love. Like, you know, that's yeah. how it was with us. Like we all still keep in touch during the, during the shows. We rip on each other all day. I text Derek. I'm like, yo dude, put on a fucking shirt that fit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where's, your, where's your sleeves? And he's hitting me up like, are you ever going to take that damn hat off and get it? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. it's intensity, man. This is a life-changing opportunity. And you got people with crazy, crazy, you know, uh, differences. Like Steven is that guy that you see. He's the guy that randomly screams for no reason. <laughs> that, that would drive me insane. He's full of this crazy passion. Like, I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody so into what we were doing. I mean, all of us had to, you know, have a passion, but he was like insane. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's really old and he's, you know, good. He's doesn't have a lot of time left. That's what I <laughs> tell him all the That's time. Right. But him and Derek, yeah, they clashed definitely, but they got nothing, but they got nothing but love for each other. Now they were just at, um, you know, the restaurant takeover. Yes. They were just at that restaurant. They watched it there together. The two of them. Oh, yeah. they did. Well, we're all friends and Katrina. Yes. She cries for everything. <laughs> you know what? I, I have to tell you, my opinion changed of her dramatically last night yeah. when she were like, well, this will be the last time we see her cry. Yeah. And I'll, I have to say, though, I think the pressure is really what gets to that. It seems to be what's eliminating because you're all so capable and so talented at this level that when she turned and said that you she felt in her heart that you would be the master chef. I got I freaking started to get teary. Yeah. I, I just shouted. I'm like, 
finally, because <laughs> every time before for like the last couple of weeks when they've been asking everybody, I, it's always been like, oh, Katrina, Katrina. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you guys are on crack. I'm like, it's got to be, you know, Nick. Why Why is everyone blind? <laughs> right. But, yeah, that's true. So when she walked out, I said, all right, fine. Enjoy your trip to Paris. Yeah. Enjoy, you know, enjoy the the notoriety that comes with this. That's the thing, though. You know, we were talking about American Idol. Um, you know, some of the people who don't win have far exceeded yeah. the success of those. So regardless, this could catapult any of you Absolutely. to whatever. That was the thing that we also wanted to ask you is that uh, Paula wanted to know of the let's just assume that you, you know, you're our MasterChef champion. Mm-hmm. But let's just say you are the MasterChef champion. Uh, what what is the, the the main prize that would be the most uh, life changing for you? Would it be the cash or the cookbook or the trophy? If you're into trophies, um, I think it's the cash. Really, <laughs> I mean, the cash can change a lot of things in not only my life but my family and my family's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've I've always had a, I've always dreamt of having my own place, my own gastro pub. I'm a big beer and 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 you know we we hung out. You know what I'm talking about. I love. Oh yeah. I love to have my my bourbon. Yes. Like, yes, we do share that. And that's my, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's my dream. Unfortunately, Daryl couldn't, but <laughs> Daryl could not handle it. Daryl was trying a little bit. You know, we had him up a couple times, slap him in the face a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. We had to retrieve Daryl from the bathroom at they, the bar. They need like one of those water buckets in the old west where you just like <laughs> yeah. splash his face in there just and then his head in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, bring him back. I mean, uh, you know what was great is. Uh, Nick is a gentleman. And so when I asked him to please retrieve my husband from the restroom at the bar we were at because he could no longer handle his liquor, <laughs> Nick dutifully went and retrieved him for me. So gastropub. Yeah, gastropub. Awesome. Uh, you know, with just small plates. I think that's the way the world is going with food. I think it's kind of old school to have like big plates of food. You do that, you know, on special occasions. Uh, you know, the world, everything now, if you look at it, everything's fast, right? Technology, yeah. you can get it quick. Nobody wants to sit down and eat a whole big plate of food anymore. You want to try a bunch of things. And, you know, you were saying something earlier, you guys were asking me about how the food scene has changed over the years. And I think that what has changed is people's passion towards food. It's not just going to a like cafe or a grill and getting a burger and some fries. People are putting thought into the burgers. They're putting thought into the fries. They're doing different things because it's a, in all honesty, being a chef is you're being an artist and you're a good artist can take you around the world. If you're making burgers, they make you feel like you're, in, you know, you're just a good old red-blooded American, right? But you might, like the great chefs, you can go to like a Moroccan restaurant and you feel like you might be in Morocco. You're going to walk outside and there's actually going to be belly dancers and shit. You know? so like, <laughs> That's so true. A dream of mine is to make small plates for people that really highlight what Italy is all about. There's 20 regions in Italy. Uh, we only eat maybe three of those regions, you know, heavy spaghetti and pasta and, you know, meatballs and cheeses and stuff. And there's so many sexy dishes that come out of Italy. It's ridiculous. And I'd like to be able to give that to people while you're getting shit faced. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to be able to, okay, so let's just say this. So this is definitely your future goal is to have this dream met owning your own restaurant. It, does that mean that your hub is San Diego for life, or do you ever think about opening up and rubbing elbows with uh, Chef Chiarello and uh, Tyler Florence up in the Bay? Oh man, you know I like I, the Bay Area is always going to run through my blood. Mm-hmm. So I'm SoCal living with the NorCal attitude. Well, that's they need it down there, so that's good. You know, I like I, I just went up to the Bay Area, and it I miss everybody. I miss my family. I miss my friends. 
but I think San Diego is my new home. Oh, awesome. I, I love it down here. It's, it's beautiful. There's so much opportunity here. It's a bubble that hasn't been started to get blown up yet. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like a balloon that just got pulled out of a package and somebody's about to blow this thing up and I'm going to be here for it. Uh, I think that a lot of cool things are coming. There's already a lot of cool things here. It's such a social town. You know, people are out all the time looking for something to do. You know, Janelle and I, when we first moved here, we're walking down the street in Pacific Beach, the very first day. And we're walking down the street and this guy goes, hey, how's it going? And I looked at her. I was like, you know that idiot? <laughs> yeah, right. She said, no. I was like, what the hell is he asking us how, we, how we're doing then? How funny. <laughs> now we're accustomed to it. You know, it's such a, maybe it has to do with the weather. Maybe it has to do with the beaches. I don't know. But yeah, well, it's beautiful. Outside get out, do new things, place. And when you're talking about opening up a restaurant or a bar, that's exactly where you need to be. And you're right. It was funny because I, uh, when we were talking about last night's episode, how you were being challenged with this uh, Mexican uh, basket, I said, well, he says he doesn't do it. I go, yeah, because he can buy it there. He can buy it where he lives. He doesn't need to make it. Yeah. We're Mexican. We know how to make right. that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if you'd gotten the Italian basket, you would have had to thought think really hard to get creative. You couldn't do the traditional heavy pastas and all of that. You would have to come up with what you're talking about, actually, something fresh yeah. and young and new. And and so I think that a, a gastropub with, with a focus on amazing beers and, and plates, and I mean, really, even when you do the small plate thing, everybody shares. Yeah. Absolutely. You still share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the other thing, like, uh, you're, so you're Mexican, you get it. Italian Mexicans yep. were a lot alike in one big way, and that's food. Food brings you together with your family. It brings you together with your friends. You know, you bring somebody that's not Mexican or not Italian uh, to your house, and they, they're like, why is everybody going to kill each other? It's like, nah, this is just us <laughs> getting together, talking over each other, and trying to get the spotlight. You know, it's yep, like, yep. but this is where you find out what things are going on. It was important in my house. Uh, my mom made sure that every single Sunday we Aww. sat down, me and my sister, and her. And then, you know, if we had friends that wanted to come over, whatever, but we had to be there and no TV. We just had music on in the background and it was all about how was your week? Because she worked. She worked a lot, you know, so she wanted to catch yeah, up. Yeah. But that was our way of staying close. But the whole root of that was from food. Always. We sat around the food and, you know, we tried everybody's stuff. My sister couldn't, you know, she weighed like 40 pounds until she was like 20 because I used to eat all of her food anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you just want to share your food, you want to try new food, but all that ever does really, like you said, you know, people just go out and they share food. It brings you together. If you're anything like the Uggs, first of all, I'm sorry. Secondly, you must love shopping. The Ugly Mall at UglyTruth.com is a great place to do just that. You'll find Amazon and other online shopping links there just by visiting UglyTruth.com. That's U-G-L-E-E Truth.com. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so last night also, I thought it was hysterical that um, one of the contestants professed her crush to Chef Ramsay. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like it's like she read my mind or something. <laughs> I told Jamie when we were watching MasterChef and told her, I said, I'm not going to lie. I said, I've been a Gordon Ramsay fan since, like, you know, he was doing Kitchen Nightmares on, like, the BBC all the way up to, you know, Hell's Kitchen and then now MasterChef. And I told her, I said, I, he's kind of moving up to the free pass list. I'm, I'm 
just, you know, being honest. <laughs> and so I think most people would assume that he's probably a bit of an asshole, but is he, is he just that way for TV or is he really an asshole or, you know, what, what's the deal with chef Gordon Ramsay? I think that the misconception with Gordon Ramsay is people think he's an asshole. They mistake his, they mistake the assholeness for passion. The man is passionate about all of us. You know, I tell when people ask, and it's funny because that's really like the number one question that people ask me when they meet me is, "How's Gordon mm. Ramsay? Is he really like that?" And I say this, I say the same story every time. Uh, Off camera, we were ta- him and I were just kind of talking. He talks to all of us, by the way. He doesn't just like leave. You know, he comes by and makes sure everything's going well. And um, my mom's birthday was coming up when we were shooting, and I told him that. You know, yeah, my mom's birthday coming up. It was just like in conversation. It had to be, what, three, four days later. He was like, hey, uh, did you get to speak to your mom on her birthday? Oh, he remembers. He is, <laughs> he is a passionate guy. And when you're on a show, so Hell's Kitchen, I would never go on. I think that, <laughs> and I don't know because I can only speak from, you know, be, being on the outside looking in. I think that one, he really kind of pushes it to make you crazy. Mm-hmm. Master Chef, he takes a real interest in your life and he wants to make you better. And you'll notice on all the episodes, even the times that he rips on people like Chris Liu when he killed him, you know, about his food. <laughs> when he left, he brings you back up, you know? Yeah. Like an asshole would leave you down. But a guy that's true. passionate is going to pick you back up and make sure that you follow your dreams. And that's all he wants. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's his brand. So we're, that's true. we're representing this man. So he doesn't want some chumps walking around making, you know, crappy food and saying, oh, yeah, I was on MasterChef. Some uh, some deep chocolate brown microwave cake, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I know. Some dense mascarpone. Yeah, I know. So speaking of judges, besides Gordon Ramsay, I have a sneaking suspicion that he is not necessarily the toughest judge. No. Would you say he's the most difficult, like the most, and when I say difficult, I don't mean like difficult to work with. I just mean the most critical or the one hardest to please? No. Who would you say would be that of the three judges? Christina Tozzi. For real, huh? Absolutely. And they always have her come across as just so, you know, soft-spoken, I guess. And <laughs> She is a tough chick. You know, it's like all the women in my life. They always have to bust my balls. She, <laughs> she just, you know, she's... She demands perfection. She is where she is because she's the, you know, one of the best bakers in the world. But she also can cook. So that's not easy. Like usually a chef has no idea what they're doing when you give them flour and a scale, right? She can do both. She can bake Mm. and she can cook. So she's got like this crazy palate that is almost, you know, it's almost insatiable. Like you can't get her to say something is perfect. And, you know, everybody that watches is like, oh, my God, I'd be so freaked out to have Gordon Ramsay taste my food. Yeah, that's freaky. But once you start getting Christina tells you to taste your food, you're like, holy crap, I don't want her to come up and taste it. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I've been I've been watching her the last few episodes, and her demeanor has changed dramatically since there was a huge group of you. And I mean, what I mean huge, I mean, it's really not that many, but the, the, as, the, as the contestants are being narrowed down to the final four, three, two, her, her demeanor has changed dramatically in that she's far, she appears much more what's the word I'm looking for? Sympathetic in... She seems more relaxed. She's relaxed, but she's, she almost feels sad for you if you crumble. You know, she's like, God, I'm so sorry that you totally fucked up right now. Yeah. It's really interesting to see that. Well, actually, I even noticed that about the people who, um, 
Now, you got the advantage just the, well, as far as we've seen, just the one time, correct? Yeah. So even when you're up there, as it gets towards the end and as the clock is counting down, even though they had the advantage, like they're sweating bullets because <laughs> they almost feel bad for the people down below because they, they so badly want them to do well. Yeah. You know, there's, it's, a, it's a competition, so you don't want anybody to win but yourself, but you, yeah, you know what it's like down there. Yeah. The kid, the state, you know, the, the MasterChef kitchen is intimidating in itself. And then, you know, the cameras and the lights and then the constant reminder of what you're actually there for, you know, the three prizes that you're going to get if you win and then the judges and then your family. It, it's like, it's seriously almost, sometimes it's almost too much to handle. And even though you're safe standing up there, you can feel it for people, especially when you yeah. people blowing it. Oh God. And you know, it's, it's the pressure that gets them. It's not the ability. Uh, when, when you first started this competition with all of these other contestants, Paul and I were having this discussion. There's no way that you all came in as home chefs. You might have an amazing palate and an amazing ability to put things together and create, but some people aren't necessarily uh, safe in the kitchen. <laughs> they may not know how to hold a knife properly, or they may not know how to do this or that. There, there had to have been some kind of tutor or a person who helped you say, look, I get what you're trying to do here, but you're going to cut your finger off. <laughs> Were there people that helped you guys do things properly? The audition process is extremely uh, thorough. So before you even get to the show, you're auditioned on your skills and knowledge before. But yeah, we're all home chefs. No one teaches us anything. There's no you know guidance. You're coming in there just holding your holding your own. Really? So when you are giving when you're being given a demo by the chefs, the chef judges, that's literally the only type of instruction that you get yeah wow that's impressive that's really impressive you have a lot of time to study uh you know what your strengths are and you play to those and then you study on your weaknesses and then you go in and you cross your fingers that they're not going to have you make something that you don't have no idea what it is you know what that makes me even more impressed with these final these finalists it's it's really it makes me feel like i thought i was pretty good in the kitchen and i am but not like that see i think what would be the hardest part is the plating because no one really teaches you how to artistically you know, plate. make things nice. Like someone made a dish last night and they put a bunch of flowers on it. And I'm like, that's pretty. But <laughs> I think one of the judges, you know, wasn't like, impressed, plucked the flower off and like tossed it to the side. Kind of <laughs> like, you know, and then there's another um, chef who's famous and I can't remember. But they always say, don't put anything on this plate that I can't eat. Right. And so if you're not, if, if you can't eat the flour, then don't put it on there. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're taking up way too much of your time, but I just want to, before we close, I wanted to ask you about your website. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, okay. It's uh chef We're building it. You know, it's, it's still being built, but right now it's up and running. It's a lot of fun. You know, I got my recipes on there. We're going to start blogging, too, because I've got a lot of, you know, I'm, look, I'm Italian and black. I've got opinions. So <laughs> and then, you know, some cool pictures and uh, there's ways to contact me about pop up dinners and private chef. So, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. OK, this dinners by Nick is what you're talking about. And it's one of his uh, little tabs on his chef I heard a little bit about it when we met you in July. But is this something that's taking off for you now or is this something that you're going to grow 
after the show completes? It's a little bit of both. So okay, I started it before the show completed. So we've had some, you know, some really good good success. I started with just friends, and then they told people, and they told people, and then yeah. what's hilarious is randomly I got hit up by a guy that I went to high school with. He said, "I'm getting married. I'm going down to San Diego." You think you could do a dinner for my bachelor party? Awesome. So I did a bachelor party themed dinner. You know, a lot of you know, it was like red meat, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of beer and bourbon. I did bourbon bourbon style dessert. You know, it was a bourbon oh, uh, a bourbon chocolate crumb cake with uh, you know a bourbon infused ice cream. It was good. So now that's kind of become my thing. I've got a couple bachelorette parties that are coming up. Janelle said she's got to be there for those. Of course, uh, <laughs> I've got a couple more bachelor parties, and then just the straight up. You know, dinner by Nick, man, we just set up. It's kind of, it's just a pop-up dinner. We just set up wherever you want to. You know, we build the menu together. And then, awesome. yeah. Are you going to travel for those? I mean, if somebody is willing to pay, yeah, will yeah. you travel to do that? Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, I like, like Sacramento. Sacramento. <laughs> I went, I went to Sacramento state. I, I left the day after I graduated. I couldn't stand it there, but yeah, I'm with you. Dude. Come- no, 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 no. There's no loyalty lying here in this house with Sacramento. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would. You know, it's it's a trip. I, I still am just kind of thrown off when I find out that I have fans. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you. It's like, yes. Can you do our, ba- um, like, Nick, can you do our bachelorette party? And you're on the menu. Yeah, I mean, really? I can see what, and Janelle, who is a stone fox, by the way, I she's got to be the filter. Yeah. Because guys are so, well, you may not be, but most men are like, oblivious to they really are. women yeah. throwing them themselves. It's like, well, I'm sure he's not oblivious anymore. I'm sure that he gets pussy flying at him <laughs> constantly. You're at a restaurant in downtown San Diego. I'm sure there are plenty of food groupies just, that come just, and going, is Nick here? Where's that hat? Just like Gordon Can Ramsey. I smell the hat? Ew, gross. Just like Please. Gordon Ramsay being on my free pass list. I'm sure he's on a many free pass Yeah, how does lists. it feel to be on women's free pass list now? That must be bizarre. I, I You know what? I don't even know. It's a trip. <laughs> <He> lies. <laughs> it's a trip. I'm oblivious. I don't know. I, I, I love my girlfriend. He, he pleads the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the girls really did just want my meat. Oh, right. Yeah, right. right. Oh, no. We're, we're vegetarians. We don't know. We, we just want you here. All right, chef. Well, we are so grateful that you spent some time with us. We are so excited for you. And regardless of the outcome of this season, you will always be our champion. Yeah, our top top master chef, for sure. I really appreciate it, ladies. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. And maybe if you uh, don't get too crazy busy after the show is over, uh, we can get together again sometime and have a chat. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, Well, we will talk to you soon, Nick. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What a nice guy. He is a nice guy. And you know what? He's legit. That's who he is. Yeah, very down to earth. He is down to earth. He's uh, honest. He is exactly what, like what we said in the show. Um, because I have met the person, he is exactly who they're portraying on the show. And I don't know how normal that is. Normally, you know, they'll play somebody up to be a, a jerk or the, the villain or the, the weepy, you know, victim. And he's not being portrayed as anything other than who he is. Well, I mean, I think he's got a super good poker face, if For I had sure. to guess. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't think he shows his cards. So I think that's why it, they haven't really been able to, you know, paint him in any frame corner. him in mm-hmm. some sort of, you know... There's a wall there. You know, he, 
they haven't grilled him on his childhood and he started crying or anything like that. You know, like <laughs> they God. do to the rest of them. Or... I can't take it. I, I hate it when they do crap like that, but it's like, oh, there's a weak, there's a weak spot. Poke it, so, poke it. So last year you had to prepare pudding all year because your mom was dying of cancer. And, <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> I did. I'm doing this for her. That's terrible. We shouldn't make fun of people. No, but that. that's but what I'm saying is, is that they, I mean, and imagine being the judge and the producer comes up and be like, okay, so the mom died of cancer last year they made pudding all year long can you go and just kind of like probe you know ask find out what kind of, yeah. see, see if you can get him to cry under 30 seconds that'd be great thanks and oh it was chocolate pudding <laughs> right yeah so yes it was a great interview we hope you enjoyed it i am so excited for this person i, I was telling you earlier i just i love it when people are actually seeing their dreams come to fruition after a, a lot of hard work everybody has passion everybody has dreams and regardless of how he got catapulted into this career, um, whether it was, you know, happenstance or, or winning or competing on the show, whatever, he was ultimately always going to become a chef. Like you're saying, and like he said in the interview, you know, he's loved doing it from such a young age, mm-hmm. even though, you know, he said he made some very um, inedible things for, you know, a long time. His own burnt sugar cake. But, I mean, you only get better by trying. And, right. obviously, he loved it enough to keep mm-hmm. trying. And yeah. so, um, and and now, you know, here he is competing on, you know, one of the most proclaimed, you know, cooking shows. I don't think it can be understated how great what's the it's almost like it's what a privilege it is to be under the tutelage even if it's for a brief moment or two of these chefs these chef judges chef graham chef tozy is it yeah and chef ramsey of course who is the king of all chefs i would love that to show. be under his tutelage <laughs> having his blue eyes sear you for more than you know a moment or two a moment or two yeah but really to say that you've had any kind of guidance from those chefs in your career, I mean, not all chefs can say that. I mean, these this is a very special... That's one of those things where, you know, he was t- talking about his, you know, uh, admiration for Anthony Bourdain. To have Anthony Bourdain talk to you about knives personally and look at you in the eye and tell you that is something that very few people can say. Nick and the other contestants of that show will never be able to explain the privilege it was to get face-to-face time with these esteemed chefs right best in the world it's awesome well right i mean even Getting acting lessons from i don't know robert de niro you know because like he said in the interview even when they weren't filming and they were just you know hanging out in the background and you know gordon ramsay's just like oh you know how to go with your mom <laughs> on her birthday and it's that would be just, so cool like i wouldn't even be able to like fathom and now, I'm like, you know who I am. Yeah, it's like, me? Pathetic little me? me? Yeah, exactly. Please, please, sir. Please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, it was a great interview, and I'm, I'm regardless of the outcome, I can't wait to see what he does. I think he's going to have great success me too. in whatever he does, you know, culinary-wise, mm-hmm. whether he wins or not. I mean, obviously, I, I hope he wins. Yeah, we want him to I win. I mean, that's, that's always the goal, but... He's going to have a lot of success, and I look forward to seeing what that is. Me too. And I look forward to talking to him again. I'm going to, we're going to follow his career 
we're going to we're, we're big cheerleaders for people like that we know that are like that so i'm all right. in on the chef nappy brand and yes you know you'll have to come to san diego we'll go down there and oh, I'll, I'll buy yeah. you some yeah I don't think they. I don't know if they do gluten free. Okay, <laughs> we'll I'm figure on, something out. I'm on Operation Starvation anyway. Oh, so. that's right, because you're trying to fit into more jeans. Yeah, and these ones are. Uh, if I stretch too much, the snap might, you know, <laughs> kill someone if it popped off and shot across a room. I just put a rubber band around it. That's what I used to do. That's a good idea. Yeah, you just. I was loop looking through the thing and buy those things. But like the little kid jeans where you can like add elastic. <laughs> but <laughs> That's no. what I was gonna do. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Like so we ying and the yang button. Oh God, no. When I I didn't do it. Well, no, I did actually. I was really fat at one point, and so I looped um, a rubber band and wrapped it around the button of the jeans so that I could wear them. How did that feel at the moment? Uh, really, really, one of my low points in life. I was just gonna say, <laughs> I just. Probably that was the just, beginning of the that was the beginning of the journey to lose the fat. I would just throw my clothes in a fire and sit naked on my bed. That's even worse because then you got to look down and see the pooch. And I so. just wait for my significant other to walk in and be like, "What are you doing? Shoot me! I'm out to pasture." <laughs> you know, there was a time, and of course, I I've never been this big since, and this was a few years ago. I was so, you know, we're big on emotionally cutting. I went into the bathroom and I stood on the toilet so I could see my whole body. And I just stood there and stared at myself. You remind me of uh, that Ellen DeGeneres uh, comedy special. She's like, you know, when you look at yourself at the dressing room and then when you're standing naked at home looking in the bathroom. You're like, oh my ass looks really good. The look on your face is so different. (laughs) It's really true. And I would just stand there and look at myself and go, look at how fat my face is literally getting fatter by the moment. She turned around and she started clenching and everything (laughs) Trying to figure out how to make her ass look good. Don't clenched you'll just see cellulite and wrinkles flat what's worse is she doesn't even have a round ass she has the flat Mm, ass that's that's what i have well can you imagine having a flat butt with cellulite like that that this look like a rippling water or like a pond or something it looks like a cooking pancake (laughs) (laughs) like where it has all the bubbles yes Wow, pancake ass indeed. All right, what did we say we were going to do? So we've recapped the Chef Nappy, and now we want to, uh, before we do Ugly and Awkward Moment, actually, let's talk about, we have two stories that happened to us this week that weren't ugly and awkward per se. Malia is a high school cheerleader. Her first game was last week. Mm -hmm. It was against my alma mater, Casa. Our alma mater, actually, Casa. So I was a little torn. I'm always torn when we play Casa because... I have more than I thought, actually, friends that I made that we were all CASA alumni. BV was our rival. But I also have a lot of friends who went to Bella Vista as well. And I always felt like a transplant. I never felt like I belonged to CASA. But I do feel, especially with their football team, damn it, because I was a cheerleader, I really secretly root for them. And they're so freaking good, you know. So anyway... It was the first game. Oh, they, the team is good. Oh yeah, Cass is great. They dumped some money into that program. I was it's just really going to say, Cass hasn't had a good football team since you know. Well, they know. have. They do now. They have for probably five or six years. Since we are the Titans. Exactly. So. so Malia is a little high maintenance because she's my child, right. and she needed water, and she needed cold water, and she needed some. She was having some issues with her contact lenses, and that's nothing to mess All with. Right. So I had to bring some solution to her. So it is 4 o'clock. Gates don't open until 4.30. She's on the field practicing their halftime routine with the whole squad, all 50 of them. 
And so I walk up and, you know, it's just like with anything pre-game anything. It's like, look, I'm just dropping this stuff off and then I'm taking off. I'm not staying. I mean, I don't even have to be here for like two hours. So there's a dude standing at the gate with his little Bella Vista staff shirt on. And I said, hi, I just need to drop off my daughter's uh, water jug and her contact lens solution. She's cheering tonight and I need to get it to her before, before it gets too late. I can't let you in. Well, I'm not staying. I just need to drop this off. And he goes, well, you need to call her. I said, well, she's on the field practicing her halftime routine, so I can't call her. But I can see her. If you can just let me walk 30 feet, I'll just Uh drop it off at the track and wave at her and then I'll leave. I can't let you in. I said, okay. Now, in my mind, I'm not a I am an asshole, but I'm not unreasonable into the, you know, like Daryl's like, why didn't you just rush him and, and just walk through? And I said, because I need to come back. I need to come back in an hour, and I don't want to be that person who needs security at 4 o'clock in the afternoon at a high school football field. And so I said, I'll give you my phone. I'm not staying. I just need to deliver this to her. He goes, well, I'm going to get in trouble if I let you in. By who? Jesus? That's what I said. I go, by who? He's like, fine. Just go. And I said, look, I don't know why you're being so hostile with me, because I can't just walk in. After he said just go, I'd be like, peace. What I said was... I don't know what job your wife is doing on the boosters that's required you to stand at this gate for two hours, but you need a new job because this isn't working out for you. So I walked in, dropped off the stuff, walked out. Now, I'm not afraid of anything. Now, you wouldn't rush him because you had to come back, but Mm-mm. you say what you say here <laughs> and you still have to come back. I do. But see, at this point now, he's disrespected me by telling me I can't come in and I'm and I'm a mother. <laughs> Pulling rank on, I am a parent. You can't keep me away from my child who's working this game tonight. So I wa- I start walking back, and he saw me. And he, he made a beeline for the trees. He literally left his post so that trees? I could walk by. Did yeah. you, so did you leave him your phone or no? No, he didn't want it. He's like, oh. just go. I'm just going to get in trouble anyway. And I'm like, all right. So anyway, I, was, I just told Daryl, I said, I can't believe it. So he calls me. I'm in the car, and I'm leaving the school. Hi, what's going on? I'm like, I had an incident. He's like, you had an incident? Jamie, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. What could possibly have happened already? Oh, that's late. (laughs) That's true. But I don't have altercations. So I told him and he started laughing, of course. He thought it was funny. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. I know. He was ridiculous. We're all ridiculous. So my week has consisted of um, strep throat. Oh, Uh, my God. I don't know what it is, but... At what age did your children start swallowing pills? Well, it, it varies. Tyler has always been a good pill person. Yeah. Um, the Natalie, not so much. Uh, Malia just started taking pills about a year ago. She was all liquid. She refused. Really? Yeah. She was absolutely adamant that she couldn't swallow pills. Kenzie, I would say like middle school, late middle school. Okay. So Ryan's nine and he's all pills. Good for him. Yeah. You know, it makes life so much easier. Mostly because he just, we did the same thing every time with the liquid medicine. I'd pour it and he'd be like, well, what flavor is it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You have to drink it. So I just got sick of the game, you know? And I'm like, here, take this. Can you swallow this? Do you think this will go down your throat? Good. Swallow it. And that's the end of it. No flavor. So he was originally on penicillin. The day he went, like, finished it. He got a sore throat again, and so we took him back to the doctor, and he tested positive for strep again. (sighs) 
And so now he's on amoxicillin sucks, or really, something really like sucks. that. And then um, this week started my first day of volunteering in the first grade class. Now, how did that go? Was Olivia prouder than proud? Oh, she kept coming up to me. Of course, and they always do. And then they get in trouble. Always, yeah, she is. She was very excited. And, you know, Miss Golden says, Olivia, did you get all the crayons you needed already? Why don't you go back to your desk? <laughs> That's so cute. And so, anyways, or she would point at someone. She'd be like, "Mom, that's Brayden." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> Mom, Brayden's the one that hit me." <laughs> right. That's the thing about her is, is that if I have to sit down and like ask her to write down something, like she acts like her arms don't work. <laughs> but if I want to know like all the like classroom gossip, she knows everything. She's like, "Oh, get this." She's like, I can't chase Chase because he's Piper's boyfriend oh. or whatever. Dun, dun, dun. I know all this stuff. So she says, well, why don't you sit at that table over there? And she says, there's a um, a tablet of sight words. And then she says, there's also some books right there in the classroom. There's groups. Just call them by name. They'll come over, have them do some sight words. If you have time, you know, have them read some books. So I'm like, all right, I can do that. So, you know, Olivia kept begging me to call her group, and I said, I can't call your group right away, Olivia. And Gotta so be fair. I called her third. but um, <laughs> She was probably like, hurry up! I know, call she me! was so angry. So, we're going through these sight words, and one of the sight words was but, like B-U-T. Right. All seven groups. <laughs> they're all but. When they, they, they're like, but! So and I'm like, funny. whose bread idea was it to, you Make know. but a sight word. But then it made me think of uh, <laughs> Billy Madison when she's like, okay, everyone turn to your readers to page 69. He's like, ha ha, 69. Oh, and God. all the kids kind of looked around like, like what? what? Are you talking about? <laughs> everyone was pretty well behaved and, you know, kids just, they talk about the weirdest things. They are bizarre. You know? They are bizarre humans. You know. Small mini humans. They talk about their shoes a lot. Because they make them run fast and they're new. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and they correlate things to, like, you know, Katie has a green umbrella. And then so this little kid lifts up his foot and he's just like, I've got green on my shoe, see? And I'm like, oh, great. That's funny. Yeah. All right, well, let's do our ugly and awkward moment yes. of the week. Mine's, um, I'll call it the double whammy. Uh, it sounds sexual. I had, no. I was outside taking the dogs to the bathroom, and they were coming back in, and when I came in, Ryan was coming in too, so I was kind of trying to, like, move sideways mm-hmm. to, like, let him get in the door, and when you walk into my house, we have the big love seat now. Yes, I went to go shut the door, and so I had to move a little closer towards the love seat. Well, when I did, I didn't notice there was a pair of shoes right there. Oh. So I stepped on the shoes, and I tripped, and I fell (laughs) sideways onto the couch. Kind of like just like a straight fish, you know, I just (laughs) fell sideways. And That's so better. Brian started laughing hysterically. I went into the bedroom to tell Victor what I had done. And so, of course, you know, I'm reenacting what I had done. But this time when I did it, I banged my ankle on of the course. metal part of our ham- of our hamper. Anger! Anger! <laughs> and so 
it started bleeding. <gasps> but I'm just like, what the heck is wrong with me? Just so, time to sit down and take a rest. That's, I know, let it go. That's so. so funny. But I was just like, I had to embarrass myself in front of everyone. That's so funny because mine involves a couch as well. Oh. That is so weird. It happens like that. The other day, Daryl and I, and it's always the way. He's sitting at the computer, and I walk up to talk to him about something, and it's always serious. It's always like when these things occur, it's something serious is being discussed when I do something awkward. So I have my, uh, we have that big leather couch in the front, and we pull it away from the wall because there's big curtains hanging, and if Mm -hmm. you push it against the wall, the curtains get all weird. So they're, they're hanging freely, so the couch is like a good foot away from the wall. And I'm standing there talking to him about something, and I lean against, I lean my knee and my side thigh next to the couch, and I'm talking very seriously, and then all of a sudden I start sliding ever so slowly to the side, and he's like, he's watching me slow motion, and I'm trying to be serious, and I keep sliding until eventually I just fall onto the couch, and he's like... When, when were you going to stop yourself? Yeah, like, were really? you just going to act like you weren't sliding? <laughs> like the couch wasn't being pushed against the wall when really? you were talking? Yeah, I was tired. It reminded me of uh, a Peter Sellers movie or like Pink Panther where he's trying yeah. to maintain composure while, you know, his mask is melting off or he's slowly falling over. That's essentially what happened. And Daryl just, you know, he's laughing at me. And I'm like, shut up, I'm being serious. Like, Listen to me when I'm talking to you. Listen to me. Stop with the sliding. Forget it. I'm like, never mind, and I walk away. What was funny is is I was torn between the moments because (laughs) I had seen a spider in the house. Oh, my God. And I was standing there (laughs) next to the bed, and I had my hands down, you know. I was telling Victor about it. Well, I didn't realize Pablo walked up to me, and he... His ear grazed the tips of my finger, so my whole body flopped. When you're talking about the spider? Yes, when I touched up the spider. Mm. And I'm like, you stupid dog, you scared me. Love me, mother, love me. Constantly. (laughs) That's funny. Well, I'm going to say you won with your double couch whammy, because mine was only a singular couch. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. So 10,000 points. Good, good, good. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think that is a wrap. Hopefully everybody enjoys the interview this week and shares it with your friends and uh, follows Master Chefs. Um, so that way, hopefully, uh, Chef Nick will continue on next week. Yes. Like I said, Master Chef is on Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. on your local Fox network. So uh, look for it there. And we wish you the best of luck. Chef Nappy, thank you for joining us. And thank you, everybody else, for joining us. And have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Ugly Truth. If you're interested in keeping up with The Uglies, then follow them on Twitter, at The Ugly Truth. Friend them at Facebook.com slash Ugly Truth. Or leave comments on our shows at UglyTruth.com. That's U-G-L-E-E Truth.com. Until next time, be ugly and own it.